Hello and welcome to Fibber McGee and Molly from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. <laughs> the Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. You know what's the matter with a man when he gets a glassy glint in his eye and his hands begin to twitch and he starts wearing his oldest clothes? He's got fixitis. He's got to fix something. Any wife will recognize the symptoms in her husband, even unto Fibber McGee and Molly. McGee, what are you doing? I can't tell you, Molly. You're going to be surprised, though, and I don't want you to come into the dining room until I get through. No snooping. McGee, I never snoop when you know it. <laughs> I flatter myself that I have less feminine curiosity than any woman I know. Yeah. You sure flatter yourself. <laughs> hey, you know where the flyers are? Yes, I do. Well, I wish you'd leave them alone. I can never find any of my things when I want them. Yes, sir. When you take my pliers, put them back where you got them. Yes, sir. Don't be so careless. Where are they? Sticking out of your hip pocket. Huh? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Yeah, I thought those dining room chairs were getting a little uncomfortable. <laughs> See, why do you have to work in the dining room? You have a workbench and a tool chest all fixed up in the basement. Because, Mrs. McGee, you're using my workbench to stretch curtains on. And you dumped out all my tools so you could use my tool chest to put preserves in. And it's too hot working down there near that furnace, and besides, the light is better up here. What's the real reason? I saw a spider down there. <laughs> oh, for goodness sake. <laughs> So you won't tell me what you're fixing, huh? No, secret. And don't look so worried. I can take care of it, all right. I installed that new chime doorbell okay, didn't I? Yes, except that it plays a different tune every time somebody rings it. (laughs) Sure it does. Why do you think I hooked it up with all those player piano rolls? (laughs) Well, I tell you, the milkman rang it yesterday, and it started to play Land of the Sky Blue Water, and was I ever embarrassed? (laughs) Well, it works. That's the main thing. You gotta admit, when I start something, I get results. Yes, but not the ones you expected. I'll <laughs> even. Oh, I, for... I forgot to go to the newsstand. What'd you want at the newsstand, McGee? Some Greek newspapers. Why, you can't read Greek. And that's why I wanted them. I don't get it. Well, I want to spread them out on the dining room table so as I won't scratch the table. Oh. If I use American papers, I get started reading them and I don't get anything done. <laughs> well, now, is that bad? You wait. You'll really, you're really going to be delighted when I get through. <laughs> now, remember now, Molly, no peek. <laughs> Oh, my. And to think I married him because he was so quiet and modest. Oh, dear. Come in. Oh, hello, Mrs. Uppington. Oh, how do you do, my dear? And Mr... And what on earth is going on? Well, it's McGee, Abigail, and he's being the boy builder again. Oh, always the handyman about the house, isn't he, my dear? Well, he's always about the house. I'll go that far with you. <laughs> oh, McGee, Mrs. Uppington is here. Well, don't answer the door. Maybe she'll go away. <laughs> well, I must say... McGee! I... McGee, she's here, inside. Huh? Ah, you oh. knew it all the time, you... You little joker, you. Yeah, sure, sure, I knew it. <laughs> Just kidding, up the old drip. Drip? <laughs> now, please, Mr. McGee. Yes, drip. You always remind me of a bottle of lovely perfume, Uppy. 
slowly dripping its heavenly fragrance into the world to delight the soul of mankind. Oh, Mrs. McGee, how sweet. Nice recovery, dearie. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> well, how are slum conditions over your way, Uppy? How does it seem to get away from your own degrading atmosphere for a glimpse into the lives of the better element? <laughs> But sometimes I don't quite know how to take you. Yes, and sometimes I wouldn't care how you took him if you only would. <laughs> oh, don't fight over me, girls. And pardon my dirty hands, Uppy. I'm in the middle of a project. It's a secret for Molly. Oh, yeah. well, uh, can't you tell just me what it is, Mr. McGee? I won't say a word. Cross my heart. <laughs> well, I don't know. Hitler crossed his heart, too, and then people found out he didn't have any. <laughs> well, please, Mr. McGee. Don't mention me in the same breath with Hitler. I should say not. The only resemblance between you and Hitler, Abigail, is that you're not a man either. <laughs> Let me whisper in your ear, Uppy. I'll tell you what I'm fixing for Molly. Oh, do, Here. <laughs> well, I suppose you could... <laughs> and for a long time, she... <laughs> So what does I do but I... <laughs> and I've almost... <laughs> what do you think? Oh, Mr. McGee, how delightful, really. <laughs> Say, look, Abigail, I was just going to make some tea. Now, uh, will you stay a while and have a hook or a oolong? <laughs> Don't you know, Mrs. McGee, I just stopped in to ask you and Mr. McGee to come to my New Year's Eve party. <laughs> well, I don't know, Uppy. What kind of a ball are you going to bounce? <laughs> <laughs> oh, music and dancing and all that sort of thing, you know. Oh. A buffet supper at midnight. Oh, and Mrs. McGee, your Uncle Dennis has promised me he will mix up some of his special punch for the guests. <laughs> oh, he did, did he? Mm. Well, if Uncle Dennis mixes it, Abigail, it'll have more authority than the OPM. I'll say. That guy mixed me an eggnog last week when I had a little cold. Oh, and then did you go right to bed, Mr. McGee? They tell me I did. <laughs> so you're throwing a brawl Wednesday night to give 1941 the bum's rush, are you, Abby? Is your uh, party going to be formal, Abigail? Uh, yes, you don't mind, do you? Oh, I should say not. When I get into my evening clothes, it changes my whole personality. I'm a different guy entirely, Abby. <laughs> Indeed you are. <laughs> well, the night you and Mrs. McGee went to the opera with me, I overheard someone ask if you weren't Mr. Tracy. Oh, oh. Spencer? No, Dick. <laughs> they said he must be someone out of the funny paper. <laughs> well, we'll drop over about nine Wednesday. <laughs> Goodbye. triple-chinned old Now, walrus. now, take it easy, dearie. Personally, I always admired Dick Tracy. He's wonderful. Say, he is at that, ain't he? Come to think of it, I have got that same steady look in my eye. Sure. That determined chin, that well-chiseled nose. Hey, where's my chisel, Molly? I gotta get to work. <laughs> I can't be standing around here all day. <laughs> Much noise. I'm trying to play solitaire. You calling me, Molly? Yes, I was. 
Heavenly days, just look at you. I never saw you so grimy. Oh, I know, but what's a ton of soil to a son of toil? That's what I always say. <laughs> you get it, Molly? Ton of soil, son of toil? It ain't funny, McGee. Yeah. <laughs> it ought to be. I got it out of that book you gave me for Christmas. <laughs> 10,000 after-dinner jokes, speeches, anecdotes, and what's, what to do till the dessert comes. <laughs> And be a little more quiet. <laughs> I'm trying to play a game of solitaire here. Well, you really fixed that doorbell, didn't you, dear? Yeah, it's wonderful, ain't it? The old gray mare. I wonder who that could be. Come in. Oh, hello, Mayor Latrivia. How do you do, Mrs. McGee? Uh, don't let me interrupt your game of solitaire. Hello, McGee. Hi, Latrivia. Excuse my looks. I, I got kind of messed up working on a little job for Molly. Don't pass the buck to me, son of toil. <laughs> it was your idea, not mine. Won't you sit down, Mr. Mayor? Uh, thank you. No, Mr. McGee. Now then, McGee, as one of our prominent citizens, I wish to ask you... If... Ah, 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 black juice on red tray, Mrs. McGee. Where? Oh, oh yes. Thank you. No, as I was saying, McGee, we are putting on a drive to sell defense bonds and stamps. Oh, swell. I got a great slogan for you. You have? What is it? Every time you buy a bond, you slap a jap across the pond. <laughs> How do you like it, Latrivia? <laughs> well, so the city is going to start a drive. <laughs> well, so what? The procedure will be something like this, McGee. We will have a large sound truck playing recordings of military music. We stop the truck at prominent corners, and well-known citizens make speeches from the back platform and urge the crowds to buy defense bonds and stamps. Uh, your name has been suggested... Oh, I tell you, I'm sure McGee will be very useful, Mr. Mayor. Oh, he makes wonderful speeches. <laughs> she ain't singing Dixie, Latrivia. <laughs> I've always been known as a guy who could use his head when he got up on his feet. Oh. <laughs> Uh, a contortionist. Uh, uh, I don't imagine we need any such... Wait till I get up on that platform of that truck, Latrivia. I'll hold out my hand for silence, and then I'll say, real dramatic, ladies and gentlemen, I'll say, with a kind of a dramatic, emotional throb in my throat, ladies and gentlemen, would you like to hit Hitler? Muss, Mussolini, and nip a nip <laughs> Then there'll be a short cheer. Uh, excuse me, McGee. <laughs> you don't understand. I'll be making the speeches. Fine. You introduce me, and when I get up on that... You platform... won't make any speeches. Well, then what's he doing on the truck? Changing the records for the military music. I'll meet me at the city hall tomorrow morning. Uh, good day, Mrs. McGee. Well, dearie, looks like the only way you can wangle yourself into the city hall is through a drain pipe. Well, aren't you burnt up? Nope. What? They want me to turn records on a sound truck to sell defense bonds? Okay. I'll turn records. I'll do anything. I'll even drive the truck. Well, good for you, McGee. Betcha. Now, why don't you go back to work? You know, it's getting awful quiet in here. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> oh, dear. Now the three of hearts I need is buried. If I could only... Hello, Molly. I just dropped in to thank you for the swell Christmas present. 
Hey, what goes on in the dining room? Sounds like Judgment Day in the junkyard. Well, it's just McGee, Mr. Wilcox. He's fixing something. Says it's a secret. Well, I don't know how you can play solitaire with that going on. No, I don't either. You know, I think I'll give up. I don't blame you. Say, Molly, can you tell fortunes with cards? Only McGee's. Every time he plays poker with the boys, I can predict that four men will cross his path and he'll lose four dollars and a quarter. <laughs> Why, can you? No, but I can read your palm. Can you really? Sure. Here, give me your right hand. Oh, this is wonderful. I love to have my fortune told. <laughs> McGee, be more quiet. I'm trying to talk to Mr. Wilcox. What's that, Molly? Oh, oh, hi, Harlow. Hi, Fibber. Now, let me see here. This Doggone it, Wilcox. You might let go of my wife's hand long enough to say hello. <laughs> Hey, what is this, anyway? Don't be silly, McGee. He's reading my palm. Oh, reading your palm. Well, what does the lady's lunch hook tell you, pretty gypsy? <laughs> Madam, you were born in the Middle West, one of a large family. You were married when quite young to your childhood sweetheart, although you might have acquired wealth and position if you had chosen another man. <laughs> ah, he means Otis Cadwallader, McGee. I know who he means. Though I don't know how he can see him in your hand. You haven't got a wart. That come out even? He's always been a little jealous of Otis Cadwallader, Mr. Wilcox. Oh, I have not. All that guy ever had was a mandolin, an underslung roadster, and an overfed look. Besides, what he got that hey, I... am I reading Molly's palm or not? Go ahead, Mr. Wilcox. Well, I can see that the world has treated you very well. You've had a pretty easy life, you've been economical, and your married life has been very happy. You're an excellent housewife, you keep up appearances, you enjoy your leisure hours. Hey, you aren't even looking at her hand, you big fake. You're looking right out the kitchen door. Oh, what's the difference, McGee? He's told everything absolutely right. Say, how'd you know all that, Mr. Wilcox? I saw that can of Johnson's self-polishing glow coat out there on the table, Molly. <laughs> that tells anybody you're a good housewife. You enjoy plenty of leisure, you keep up appearances, you're economical, and lead a pretty easy life because glow coat saves you time and money and beautifies your home. Oh, wonderful. I suppose you could look at a can of glow coat and see that she was born in the Middle West and was one of a large family. <laughs> no, but she has a Peoria High School ring on her finger, and there's a large family portrait on the piano with Molly in the middle. Well, well, he's a regular Sherlock Holmes, dearie. Oh, any Johnson wax man can tell a lot about people by looking around a house. To be an expert on surfaces, you have to know what's underneath. See you later, folks. <laughs> Oh, dear, what a fortune teller. All he needs is a bandana turban, a violin, and gold earrings. <laughs> well, never mind about that. Now, you finish your job. I'll have to be setting the table for dinner pretty soon. Well, I'll be through almost any time now. If I can find my little bitsy screwdriver. Uh, you know where it is? Is that the one you used to take the alarm clock apart with? Yeah, that's the one. Where is it? Well, I haven't seen it since you put that clock back together. Me either. How's the clock running now? Well, it's very accurate if you put it on the dresser facing the mirror. Huh? The hands run around backwards. <laughs> We're doing a nice business here, aren't we? Who do you suppose that is? I got two magic words I always use to find out things like that. Come in. <laughs> well, I'll... Mrs. Wearybottom. Oh, hello, folks. I just stopped in to wish you a very happy new year, and it certainly will be if we lick those dirty little sons of the rising sun. Imagine what they're doing in the Philippines. <laughs> <laughs> well, just give them enough manila and they'll hang themselves. <laughs> Oh, my 
I, I suppose you're going to see the old year out at a nightclub tomorrow night, but not me after what happened last New Year's Eve. Yeah. There I was hooping it up with my little paper hat on and blowing my horn for all was out, and I started across the dance floor on my way to the powder room, and I got some gum on my shoe, and I tried to scrape it off while I walked, and I got a prize for doing the rumba. <laughs> My goodness, Mr. McGee, you must be an older man than I thought. You could never get that dirty in only 40 years. Well, Happy New Year, folks. <laughs> the King's Men singing Old Dan Tucker. Funny old man with a funny old pan And the name of this funny old bunny was Dan Yep, old Dan Tucker was a fine old man He washed his face in a frying pan He combed his head with a wagon wheel And died with a toothache in his heel So get out the way, old Dan Tucker Get out the way, old Dan Tucker Get out the way, old Dan Tucker You're too late, too late, too late for supper Too late for supper what a hungry old fellow was, old Dan Tucker. Come too late for to get his supper. Supper over, breakfast to cook in. Leaves old Dan, old standing, looking. Get out the way, old Dan Tucker. You're in the way, old Dan Tucker. Get out the way, old Dan Tucker. You're too late, too late, too late for supper. Too late for supper. Old Dan Tucker, too late for supper. Old Dan Tucker, now he got drunk. He fell in the fire and he kicked out a chunk. A red hot coal got in his shoe. And oh my. Golly, how the ashes flew, so get out the way, old Dan Tucker. Get out the way, old Dan Tucker. Oh, get out the way, old Dan Tucker. You're too late to get your supper, oh, short and bread. Possum in the pan should be a plenty for a hungry old man. But Dan was starving for to eat corn pone with chicken meat. He went out and stole some pullets. Come running home with his pants full of bullets. Get out the way for old Dan Tucker. Get out the way for old Dan Tucker. Get out the way. Get out the way. Get out the way for old Dan Tucker. Can sit down to eat his supper now, poor old Dan. Are you dead? I said, old Dan Tucker is a growing gray. The time is a coming for judgment day. When he gets to the pearly gate, I hope to goodness he won't be late. Oh, get on the way, old Dan Tucker. Get on the way, old Dan Tucker. Get on the way, old Dan Tucker. Get on the way. Get on the way. I do. I did a whipping. I do it. How about that? I overdo it. McGee, you, McGee, come here a minute. Oh, gone, Molly. How can I ever get this job finished if you keep interrupting me? I near. Hey, what's the iodine for? Well, when you start tinkering, McGee, I get ready for anything. <laughs> Just take a look in my sewing basket. Well, I'll be a iodine, bandages, splints, <laughs> court plaster, and a cake of laundry soap. Hey, what's the soap for? Well, that's to wash your mouth out if you hit your hand with the hammer again and say what I think you said. <laughs> I didn't say what you thought I said. I merely said that every time I slam it, it swells. Oh. <laughs> well, for goodness sakes, get done with that mysterious job of yours and take a bath. You're simply filthy. 
Is that one of your good shirts? Search me. I can't remember what color it was when I started work. Take a look at your hands. You'll never get them clean. Ah, that's the time I got you. I got rubber gloves on, so that. Uh oh. No, I haven't either. I forgot all about them. Well, I only hope this job is worth all the time and effort and noise, that's all. It is. You got my word for that, Molly. This is something you were going to do yourself and kept putting it off. Me? Well, what on earth is. Oh, come on. Tell me. No, it's going to be a surprise. This is going to be the greatest thing that ever. Oh, dear. Come in. Hello, Mr. Mills. Hello, Molly. Where's Fibber? (laughs) What do you mean, where's Fibber? I'm Fibber. Oh, excuse me, Skimp. I didn't know you in the coal miner's outfit. <laughs> well, he's been working on some kind of a hush-hush job, Mr. Mills. Though I don't know what it could be that would get him that dirty. Well, you'll find out. Have a cigar, Billy? Thanks. I got one. You got two? Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Smells good. Christmas stuff? Nope. Got that from one of my trumpet players. Just had a baby. Ah, oh. isn't that nice. <laughs> How long will he be out of the band, Mr. Mills? <laughs> He'll never be out of any band long, babe, as long as he gives the maestro these 15 centers. <laughs> That's all. Say, I like your voice since you caught cold, Billy. Yeah. <laughs> it's just too, too Andy Devine. <laughs> Thanks. By the way, Billy, how long have you been a musician? Uh, 38 years. Heavenly days. How old are you now? 40. <laughs> I had a drum when I was two, a xylophone when I was three, a piano when I was four, and a sweet potato when I was five. With gravy. What'd you have when you were six? Measles and a B-flat harmonica. What did you get at seven? X-rayed. X-rayed? What for? Swallowed the harmonica. (laughs) Did they operate? Nope, still got it. Right down here. Oh, heavenly days, Mr. Mills. Doesn't it ever cause you any trouble? Oh, now and then, babe. I get a cord G when I tie my shoes and I hiccup and (laughs) B-flat. Stick around a while, Billy. After I get cleaned up, I'll play a game of ping pong. By the time you get cleaned up again, Skimp, we'll both be too old to play ping pong. So long, babe. (laughs) Too old to play ping pong. Do I really look that dirty, Mom? Indeed you do, dearie. Yeah, I guess I do. I'm a mess. Give me a hairpin, will you? Oh, never mind your hair. Put your hat on. Oh, I didn't want it for my hair. I want to use it for a screwdriver. On account of I lost a screwdriver, I had... tonight. Well, I got to get this job finished, Molly. One more little adjustment, it's all set. Now, wait just a minute. Now, now, control yourself, Molly. Remember, they laughed at Robert Fulton and they sneered at Edison. Who knows what McGee might be doing out there? There she is. Okay, Molly, it's finished. I did it. And all by myself. Well, don't keep me in suspense. What did you do? Now tell me. Well, you know that portable typewriter of yours? Yes, yes, yes. Well, 
I changed the ribbon on it. Oh, my. By the time we get together again next week, we'll all be trying to remember to write 1942 instead of 41. May I suggest one way to solve that problem? Take a pencil and paper and write down 50 times this sentence. In 1942, I resolved to practice protective housekeeping. Now, you can see what immense benefits such a resolution would bring. In the first place, furniture and woodwork would be protected against dirt and wear by a tough coat of genuine Johnson's wax. In the second place, this protective shield of wax will give your home that richly polished look. The extra beauty that decorators and careful housekeepers so much admire. And in the third place, the regular use of Johnson's Wax will save you work all through the year, give you more time for useful defense service. Dust and dirt, you know, just don't stick to a wax-polished surface. Now, there are over 100 extra labor-saving uses for wax in your home, uses like windowsills, leather goods, shoes, lampshades, Venetian blinds. And did you know that Genuine Johnson's Wax is now available in three forms, paste, liquid, and cream wax? Buy some this week. Right upstairs and get cleaned up. Don't even sit down any place before you get out those clothes. Okay, okay, but I don't think you're being very appreciative. Well, I'm sorry you think so. Fine thing. Here I cut my hands to pieces, break my best screwdriver, ruin my clothes, and waste a whole day, and, and for what? For the Wistful Vista typewriter shop, if you must know. Yeah, well, that's... Huh? What do you mean? This is their typewriter. Huh? I took mine down yesterday to get the ribbon changed. <laughs> what? You mean... Oh, sure. Good night. Good night, all. This is Harlow Wilcox, speaking for the makers of Johnson's Wax Finishes for Home and Industry, inviting you to be with us again next Tuesday night. Good night. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Mm -hmm.